the word of God today. Come on, I've come expecting. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we have come expecting great things from you today. And God, we pray, God, we know that you are not a disappointer, but God, you are God of an appointed time and an appointed place. And God, we believe that this is the time and this is the place, God, for you to speak to our lives. We pray that expectancy will rise and and God, that we would, God, expect great things from you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I am so totally pumped and excited about this new series that we're beginning for the month of July, dealing with expectancy. Come on, say with me, expectancy. Come on, expectancy. But the reality is this, life happens. How many knows that life happens? Life happens, so we can be expecting great things, but sometimes things don't always go to plan. Anyone with me on that? You know, but we want to expect great things, and we're just so excited about this series. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss one message on this series, and you really need to be here. And and it's kind of really a relevant message for us as a family right now, because Kelly and I, well, Kelly is, but I'm just part of it. We're expecting right now. We're having a baby. Come on, October the 12th. And wow, joy and excitement in the house. And we're all preparing for a big change. Come on, we're expecting a great change. But guess what? In life, our experience is not always what we expect. We can expect for things, but actually the experience of it so many times can be so different. Or this way, what we expect is not always what we experience. What we experience is not what we expect. And you know what the gap between those two things is called? Frustration. Come on, say it with me, frustration. Come on, say it like you're frustrated. Frustration. You know, the frustration is the gap between what we expect and what reality and experience brings for us. And we're going to be dealing with that. We're going to be talking about that because we can have expectancy for great things. But as we say, life has its way of happening, which oftentimes means that our experience falls way short of our expectancy. So how do we deal with that? How do we deal with life when our expectations are up here, but yet our experience? I'm glad you asked because that's what we're going to be talking about over this next month. The various aspects of when our expectancy does not meet up with our experience. And I'm so excited about this for you, for your family, for your future. 
And here's the question that I want to give to you and challenge is this. Why not expect more for your life? Come on, why not come each week expecting God to do? Here's what we say, well, pastor, if you only knew this, but pastor, I would, but this. Can we just kick some ifs and buts for the next month? I mean, can we just not get rid of some ifs and buts and just start expecting that God wants to produce greatness in your life? So here's the key scripture. If this doesn't get you excited, we're going to check your pulse today. We're going to call 911. We're going to drag you out of here. This has to be one of my all-time favorite scriptures. It comes from Ephesians 3, verse 20, and it says, Now to him, notice him is capitalized. Notice him is capitalized. That's Jesus. That's God. That's the one who is able to do, we're going to see, exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. Okay, so now to him. Aren't you glad it's not dependent so often upon you, but it's dependent upon him? Come on. Now to him who is able. Think about this. Personalize this. Now to God who is able in my life. In my home, in my job, in my finances, in my health, in my situation, in every aspect of my life. Come on, help me preach in the house today. God says, I am able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. You know, in Greek, that word means all too. You know, in Hebrew, it means all too. All means everything. God is able to do great things above everything that we could ever even ask or think according, notice this, to the power that works inside of us. Now we know that we have a treasure, the Bible says, in our, bi- in our bodies. The Bible says that He is the treasure that lives inside of us, that there would be greatness. But the sad reality is we have a power inside of us that we don't turn on. We have a power inside of us that we have diminished. I'm telling you, my level of expectancy can either release my life or it can destroy my future. What I allow to live inside of me is going to determine the outcome. If I'm allowing the power of negativity to rule, come on, help me in that. If I'm allowing the power of doubt, but I need to allow the power of exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all. That's what I need to allow to rule and live inside of me. Say with me, I can turn the power off. Come on, there's three people speaking with me today. Come on, say with me, I can turn the power off and I can turn the power on. Come on, what's your choice going to be today? What's your choice? Did you come in here? Oh, here we go again. One of those feel-good messages. Let me tell you something. Everything from the Word of God feels good if you apply it to your life. Come on. It feels good. It may be hard to put into play, but let me tell you something. The results are out of this world. Look at this statement. You can minimize the greatness of God inside of your life by the words you say, the thoughts that you occupy, by the wrong attitude that you have in your life, and by the company that you keep. How many agrees with that? You see, we can get upset with everyone else. We can get upset with God, and oftentimes we do, and we're going to discover that aspect in this series too. But you know what? 
The real problem is not others. The real problem is us. Because we have the capability and the power of God living inside of us that can do great things. But yet we minimize it. Why? Because of our lack of expectancy. Because we don't expect God to move. And I'm kind of jumping ahead today, but we're going to be dealing with this today. God is a power that desires. I want you to hear that word desires. That means God wants to be alive inside of you. God is a power that desires to work inside of you. To be in your life. Maximizing your expectancy. So when life happens. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, life happens. You know that. Come on, life happens. Things don't always go as planned. So when life happens, guess what? You can make it through with the power of God alive in your life. And I know this is just the introduction today, but I'm already preaching. Come on, I feel this. Come on, I'm expecting God to do great things in your life. I'm expecting this to be the most powerful series that we have ever preached in this house. Why? Because God is a power that wants to rule and reign in your life. And I feel this. Stop allowing your expectancy to be destroyed. Because of the lack of experience, you find yourself in right now. Can I tell you where you're at right now is only a season. Come on, it's not your destiny. Come on, it's not your destination. You may not be lack, you may be lacking in some areas right now, but don't let the enemy tell you this is as good as you get. Come on, you're just in a season. And you know what seasons do? They come and they go. A season makes way for the next season to come. Come on, this is not your destiny. This is not your destination. God's got great things in life. Maybe you're in a hard time right now. I want to tell you today, you're going to make it through. You can make it through if you allow his power, the power of expectancy, to live inside of you. Why not shout out wow in the house? Come on. Wow. Look at Ephesians 3.20 from the New Living Translation. I love how it says it. It says, now all glory to God. Who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish, I love that next word, infinitely. Infinitely. You know, infinite is a number that has never been totally figured out. I remember being in a math class in England, and I guess, you know, math teachers, if you're a math teacher, God bless you, but I guess they don't really have a life, most of them. So my math teacher, starting in one corner of the room, real story, he wrote the number of infinite, he wrote the infinite number of what it was all the way around the room. I'm like, what's the deal with all of that? I mean, you haven't got time to do anything else. But he was showing us that that number is so great that it never ends. God is able to accomplish infinitely more than you could even ask or think. Doesn't sound much like settling for life to me, does that you? Doesn't doesn't sound like lowering my expectations there. Talks about raising the hope. Come on, raising the expectation in my life. From the Message Bible, it says this, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or even request in your wildest dreams. He doesn't do it by just pushing you around, 
But by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Listen to me, whatever version you read it from, it's a good one today. It's a good one. And it tells me, it tells you to experience and expect the greatness that God wants for your life, for your family, for your job, for your finance, for your health, for your future. So what are we going to look at over the next few weeks? Here's some of the subjects that we're going to be covering. Today, we're going to look at when my expectancy of others is not met. Come on, how many knows that we expect a lot of other people and so many times the experience falls well short? Come on, say with me, frustrated. Come on, that's the gap. Remember, we get frustrated in that gap. Next week, we're going to look at this one. This is powerful. When I, when I don't meet the expectation of other people. Come on, we're going to discuss about how to live free from the control of other people's expectations. Come on, then we're going to talk about when God doesn't meet my expectations. Now, don't get holy with me in the house today, because every one of you know that you've been mad at God sometime in your life. Come on, you've prayed a prayer and it didn't come through. Come on, you asked God to do something and it didn't happen just like you thought it should. Your dreams, your aspirations, your plans crashed and burned. Come on, we're going to discover that we can be frustrated so wrongly. Because so often we want to put God in a box of our expectations. I don't want to preach that message. You need to be here for it. But we're going to be dealing with so many aspects on the gap between what we expect and what we experience. And how we can eliminate the frustration. And to help us preach this series, we're going to use the help of three people from the scriptures. We're going to use Mary, Martha and Lazarus. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, just ordinary people, just like you and I. And I love that, because when I see God speaks and uses ordinary people, that gives me hope that God can speak and use my life. If you have your Bibles with us today, and please, I hope you're taking notes in the house today, turn to Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. We're going to read 38 through 42, and it says this, Now it happened, as they went, that he, Jesus, entered a certain village, And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now stop and listen to this. Mary, Martha and Lazarus were friends of Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us how they encountered each other. But Jesus was on their friend list. Come on. He was on their favorites on their iPad. He was on their favorites on their iPhone. You know, he was one of the ones that they knew very well. Jesus oftentimes would come and he would eat with them. So he was at a friend's house. And they welcomed him. Martha welcomed him into her house. Verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus and said to him, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work on my own, that she has left me to serve, cook, prepare, do everything on my own. Therefore, tell her to help me. Let's read on. And it says this. Got the next one? That's it. 42. And... Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, verse 41, Martha, Martha... You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing 
is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. In this story, as we dissect it, we're going to see, I believe, some very insightful, eye-opening things. It starts at the end of verse 40, where Martha's not happy that she's left to do all the work. And she tells Jesus what? Jesus, you need to tell her. Jesus, tell her to help me. Why would Martha say that? Because her expectation of what was supposed to happen was different to the experience. Come on, what Martha expected for Mary to jump up and help her and to do all the work with her was not what she was experiencing. So therefore, she's frustrated about the situation. I want to reiterate some stuff that we presented in the introduction to set the picture for this entire series. There's a gap. Say with me, a gap. If you've ever been to London and you go on the tube, the underground, they say, mind the gap. When you go in, there's a little gap on the train and the platform. They say, mind the gap. We've got to watch the gap. Come on, say with me, the gap. Between what you expect and what you experience. Martha's not happy. Martha's not happy. And you know what she's talking about. Why? Because you've experienced the same thing. Let's talk about vacations for a moment. Have you ever expected great things for vacations to your experience to be so different? We know some friends right now that went for the 4th of July to Destin, Florida. They were expecting a whole weekend on the beach, but the experience was a storm came in. Come on, the waves were right up. The flags were flying that said, you can't swim in that water. It rained all week. What a way to destroy a great vacation that you had planned. Have you ever ordered something online? Come on, and you've seen the brochure. You've seen the picture. And when you get it, the experience is not what you expected. Come on, we did something like that for the ladies one year. We ordered these lovely teacup candles. And we thought, wow, they're going to be so good. They were the size of things. Symbols. The picture looked great, but they didn't tell us the picture was life size. Come on, they were so small that the experience was not what we expected. What about raising kids? Come on, we're expecting things, but the experience. Come on, say big gap. Come on, big gap. Big frustration can happen. Because you start questioning, man, was I ever meant to have kids? I mean, God, what am I doing? Because of the frustration, because the expectation doesn't meet the experience. What about in marriage? What about in marriage, what you expected to be loved forever? You expected to be cherished. You expected a white picket fence. You expected the American dream. You expected kids. You expected bliss and happiness. For there not to be a rough word. For there not to be anything but just total love and bliss. But what you expected and the experience, so different. And even in church, you know, a lot of people have come expecting so much. But yet the experience they received has left them bitter. Has left them disillusioned has left them hurt. See the gap of frustration that there can be? And when we find ourselves living in the gap of frustration between what you expect 
and what you experience, here's what happens. We lower our expectations. I said we lower our expectations. And lowering our expectations equals, this is an equation, lowering our expectations equals what? Settling and living for so much more or so much less than everything that God has for our lives. You see, this is why I'm excited about this series, because I think some people have equaled out to settle for less. Because of the disappointments, the hurts, the pains, the frustrations of the experience. But remember, it's just a season. Come on, this is not your destiny. This is not your destination. You haven't arrived yet. Come on, you've got to keep expecting, keep expecting. But you see, when our expectation level, because of the frustration, diminishes, here's how it presents itself in our lives. I just guess I was never meant to be happy. That's what we tell ourselves. I guess I was just never meant to be happy. I guess I was never meant to be married. I guess I'll never have a great marriage. Who's going to ever want to love me again? I'm just used goods now, you know. Uh, I'm this and that and nothing's ever going to happen. I guess I was never meant to have a good job because every time I try, I fall flat on my face. And I know many of us have used this. This is just the story of my life. Just the story of my life. I want to remind you of something today. That doesn't have to be the story. It doesn't have to be the story. I'm telling you right now, that's not the story that God scripted for your life. Come on, that's not the one that he has exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond. That doesn't sound like that scripting to me. That's not the story of your life. That's just the theme that you have chosen to be the story of your life. And you've got to stop when those thoughts come in. When you allow your expectation to diminish, you've got to say, hold on a second. And you've got to say, stop, because that is a complete lie. That's living in the first part. Say with me, the first part. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm going to tell you. Look what it says in John 10, verse 10. It says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Say with me, that's the first part. That's where many of us end, right there. I'm destroyed, I feel killed, there's no such word in that sense, and I've I've got nothing. We end in the first part, woe is me, poor is me. But I'm telling you right now, God doesn't want you to live in the first part. Come on, he died that you can live in the second part. Come on, he made it possible, he says, but I have come. He says, I have what? I have come to override what went before. He says, I have come that so you may have life and you may have life more abundantly. There's nothing Satan wants than for you to live from an unexpecting place. A place of barrenness in your life. A place of no hope, despair, feeling sorry for yourself, having a victim mentality. Now, I know in this story, we can look and say, come on, Martha, I mean, get a life. I mean, you're concerned because she's not really helping you. On the scale of life, really what she's concerning herself about is not really major. It's not really major. It's not really major when people all around us are dying. 
It's not really major when people around us are going through turmoil and strife that the little petty things in our lives aren't really major. But can I remind you today they're important. And they're important to you. This was still important to Martha. It's important to us. And if we wouldn't care about it, or if it wasn't important to us, we wouldn't care. And we've got to make sure that we don't get to the place where we just don't care anymore and give up because of our frustrations. So I want to look at this story really quickly. I want to look at how my expectations of others so oftentimes are not going to be met. And I want to discover where I need to place myself so I don't lower my expectation because of the lack of experience. Point number one, are you with me? I cannot expect what I do not express. I cannot expect what I do not express. What if others really don't know? What if others really don't know what you are expecting of them? Is it really that Mary didn't want to help? Or perhaps that she didn't know her help was expected? Or maybe she was just distracted and caught up in the moment of it all. I mean, Jesus coming to your house is a big deal. The last thing that you're probably thinking about is going in the kitchen and working. Mary's sitting at his feet. She's hanging on every word that he's teaching. He's saying to her. But here's how Martha responds. She should have just known. Come on, that's our response so many times. Come on, don't look at me like I'm strange today. We can't expect what we don't express. Oh, but they should just know. They should just know what I need. They they should just know that I need them to do it this way and that way. Listen, you cannot assume that other people know exactly what you need them to do. People don't always get it like you think they should. And say with me, everyone's not me. And praise God, that's a good thing. Aren't you glad that everyone's not you? I'm glad everyone's not me. We would have a dysfunctional world if everyone was me. I know you all think I'm a saint and I'm an angel and I'm an absolutely incredible guy, but I have dysfunction moments. Kelly, be quiet, but just like everyone else. Come on, I'm human just like every one of us. You know, so I'm glad that everyone's not like me, but yet I expect so often because I don't express but I think everyone should know exactly. Here's something that I live by. This is something that I teach my leadership team to live by. Here's the DNA of our church. Listen to this. Don't judge someone till you have corrected them. It's easy to judge someone because they're doing something wrong, but perhaps they don't know it's wrong. So quickly we pass judgment on people without knowing or without them Or us first knowing whether they realize what they're doing. is Well, they should know. Well, obviously they don't know. Because if they did know, they wouldn't be doing it. And if they are doing it and they do know, that's someone who you're going to be totally frustrated with and you need to find a new friend. Amen? Amen. But what I'm saying is this. Don't judge someone. It's amazing in marriage. I'm just going to focus on marriage for a little bit right here. Expecting without expressing can be massive in marriage and in relationships. Most wives will say something like this. Well, he should know just what I'm saying, even though I haven't said it. Come on, come on, ladies, you know what you're talking about. 
Come on, what ladies say and what they really mean can be so far from the truth. That's a big gap of frustration that us guys live in. Come on, if you want us to do something, don't hint around. Come on, we're not playing a game. Ooh, 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 guess, 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 guess. We, we need all the help we can get. Come on, guys, help me out in the house. Come on, don't be hinting around and hoping and disappointed. So many ladies set themselves up for disappointments because when they leave the house and the husband doesn't do the dishes when they're gone, they're so disappointed. Well, he should have just known to have done that. Come on, don't expect what you don't express. Well, he's my soulmate. We're soulmates. He's supposed to know that thing. He's supposed to know what I'm thinking before I even think it. Ladies, be real. You don't even know what you're thinking half the time. But can you see the frustration that we fall victim to? The gap here that we expect, but yet we don't express. And here's another thought along those lines. I am wrong to expect what I am not willing to give. Come on, I can't expect really what I am not given. Well, I want him to love me. I need her to respect me. Yet what? We're spinning out of control on the crazy cycle. Why? Because if she ain't respecting me, I ain't loving her. And if he's not loving me, I sure am not going to give him respect. That is so childish and nothing will ever happen if two people are at a stalemate. Come on, help me. I'm preaching in the house today. Nothing's ever going to happen. It's your responsibility. I said your responsibility. It's your duty to give even if you're not receiving anything back. I can't expect what I myself am not willing to give. I can't expect what I don't express. If you're not expressing it, and for us guys, ladies, let me help you again. Express it, express it again, express it again. We need all the help we can get. Tell us, because we may have missed it the first three times. But hopefully the fourth time we'll maybe get it. And you know, it's so easy for us to look at poor Martha. What was Martha trying to do? She was trying to provide for Jesus. She was trying to do something good. But yet she's looked upon as the criminal in this story. She's the one that's missing out. She's the one that is kind of wasting opportunities. No, she was trying to do something good. And you can look at her all you want and say, what's her problem? But at least she's saying something about it. Come on, at least she's expressing it. What do we do? We go in the kitchen and just slam the cupboards just a little bit. Come on, when our husbands are not getting up in the morning, they're supposed to be. Man, we're just banging around. We're trying everything. The hairdryer's on. Come on, every light's on. Why? Because we're so mad, but yet we're not expressing it. At least Martha was willing to express it. And most of us get mad and no one knows why. So how do I avoid the gap of frustration, number one? I need to, if I want to expect something, I need to be willing to express it. Number two, my calling may be different to yours. My calling may be different to yours. This can cause a lot of frustration here when I try to fit people into my box. What God expects from me, what God has called me to do may be different to you. And that's great. I said, that's great. That's a good thing. 
Because not everyone is going to be like you. We've already established that. And that's a good thing that everyone's not like you. But everyone doesn't have my same passion and calling and the burden that God has put upon my life. But I can get so frustrated with them when they don't see things as I do. I had someone once that came to this church that got such a passion for missions that I had to say to them at the end of their message, you need to tone it down just a little bit. Why? Because the passion they had for missions was coming across to everyone else. If you aren't going on a mission and you haven't gone on a mission, then you're not really doing what God has called you to do. Now, I had to look at that person. A great person comes back often to this church. And I had to say to him, you know what? You are placing your calling and the weight of your calling upon people that may not be their calling to do. And you can't judge people and condemn them because they don't have the same passion for missionary, for missions as what you do. You see, everyone's calling may be different, but we can get so frustrated when people aren't thinking and doing and are not seeing things with the same passion that we have. Maybe Mary's gifting wasn't to be in the kitchen cooking. Maybe her gifting wasn't to prepare food because everyone is not called to do what I do. I said this a month or so ago and it's so true. I can read someone's story, but I don't have the right to write it for them. Come on, I can read someone's story, but that does not give me the rights. R-I-G-H-T to W-R-I-T-E it. Doesn't give me the right to write it in their life. I want to talk about my wonderful wife for a few moments. I didn't tell her I was going to talk about her today. Absolutely love my wife. God has blessed me with the best. Absolutely incredible. But you know what? The callings and the giftings of my wife are different to mine. Kelly doesn't feel the call to stand up in front of people. In fact, she doesn't like that. She doesn't like the lights to be on her. She doesn't like the microphone to be in her hand. She doesn't like to be seen in that regard. But you know what the choice I can have is? I can try to push that onto her. But you know what? If I try to push that onto her, guess what happens? I'm going to be met with resistance. Come on, I'm not going to be happy. Because if mum ain't happy... Ain't nobody happy. But notice this. Just because I am called to be behind the pulpit, just because she doesn't have the same call and does not make us incompatible. Do you see this? Can you see the frustration that we can have when we try to assume our calling upon other people when what we expect is not what we experience? Kelly is absolutely beautiful at what God has called her to do. And we've, we've talked about this because it hasn't been a point of frustration in our marriage, but there's been some things where she's had to say, Philip, you know, that's not what I'm called to do. Now, there's been some things in her life that she realizes that she needs to be stretched a little bit like we all do because a rubber band never fulfills its potential until it's stretched. So we're not going to just settle and say, well, this is me for the rest of my life. And God is stretching us. She's leading our women's ministry in the Bible studies and doing a great job. And for those of you who have been there, you're all telling me, man, your wife's doing an awesome job. But you see, here's what people love about Kelly. They love her heart. They love her gentle spirit. And they love who she is. And you see, people can see that. She doesn't have to be up here for you to know that. 
Kelly likes to be behind the scenes. She doesn't like, as I said, to be in the limelight of everything, or in the spotlight, rather. She wants to be behind the scenes at serving. But can you see how false expectancy can force great frustration when we're not experiencing what we've told ourselves they need to be doing. Accepting others' calling is so important in your life. Expecting the fact that maybe that person's not called to work because God's called them to be a mother and stay at home. Don't judge them for that. Just because someone's got a different unction to you and a different function in life, don't get frustrated. Let me say it this way too. You are not authorized to negotiate others' relationship with God. I'm going to say that one more time. Pete liked it, so I'm going to say it one more time. You are not authorized to negotiate others' relationship with God. Keep that up. I'm coming to that, Tammy. Mary wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus. Martha was in the kitchen. Mary's choice, Martha's choice. Was Mary wrong? Was Martha wrong? I don't think either of them are wrong because we'll see Martha's calling is to serve. That's her heart. That's her passion. But Mary's call was to serve too, but in a different capacity, different calling. But what does Martha say to her in verse 40? She says, Lord, Lord, don't you care? Lord, don't you care that I'm frustrated because everyone else doesn't have the same passion for this as that? People have left our church because we don't have the same passion as them. Instead of saying, I've got a passion for this, let me do this. Instead of that, they say, well, I'm just going to leave because I'm frustrated. And you know what? They're going to go from church to church to church to church because they're going to be frustrated because the problem is not with others, the problem's with them. I've got to finish this message. Say, help him, Jesus. But Lord, don't you care? Of course he cares. Of course he cares. But listen this, he's not about forcing our calling onto someone else. Listen to this powerful statement. You are not God's negotiating agent working out the details of how God operates with other people. That's the Holy Spirit's role. And the last time he checked, the position wasn't vacant. He's still functioning in that role. And one day when it's all over, we're all going to have to stand before God and each one of us is going to have to give an account for our lives, not for others. Well, they didn't do this. God says, what did you do? What is the calling that I've placed upon your life? That's what you're called to do. Let me handle the rest. But don't allow frustration to lower your expectancy. Why? Because they're different to you and that's okay. But I'm going to have to give account for my life. So much frustration wasted because everyone isn't me. Thank God. Number three, I must resist the temptation to draft other people into my dysfunction. Dysfunction? I mean, Pastor P, that's a little bit strong. You're saying I have dysfunction in your life? Maybe, maybe not. But most of the times we look at other people thinking that we're the ones without the problem. Many times we look at other people and say, they're the ones with the dysfunction. They're the ones with the problem. But most of the time, the problem really lies with us. Martha has the problem. But she has convinced herself that Mary's her problem. Hello? 
What does Jesus say to her in verse 41? Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Jesus was saying, this ain't the only frustration you've got in your life. There's other frustrations that you're dealing with in your life. This is just brought to a head everything else that's going on in your life. Have you ever noticed how someone loses their job? It's never their fault. I remember the story of Toby. Toby used to be our kids pastor here, worked with us in the church. And when he was a kid, he got a report card back. And in the report card said, he talks all the time and disrupts the class. His dad said, son, what's up with this? He said, dad, it's the kid I sat beside. I mean, that kid would not shut up. And, and every time I talked to him and told him to be quiet, the teacher got me. And, and it's, my, it's their fault. So dad said, okay, son, well, just make sure you choose right. Next, next year, the report card comes back. He talks all the time, disrupts the class. Dad, it was that girl that they sat beside. Come on, three years in a row, he got the same report card. And finally, the third year, the dad said, hold on a second, there's one common denominator in every one of these situations. And it's not the other person, it's you. Come on, how many knows the common denominator in most circumstances and situations of your life is not the other person, you're the one. You're the one that always seems to be showing up at the scene of the accident. Come on. You see, we can think what we have is not dysfunction, but many times it is. Just because I choose to get up early and I like to be early, just because I choose to work extra hard and do things more than other people, just because I do things this way or that way doesn't make others wrong if they choose to do things differently. The problem maybe isn't with Mary, but it's with you. I mean Martha. It's with Martha. And what happens is this, we begin to hate the people who have it right. We begin to look at them. We don't like the people who have the right balances in their life. We don't like the people whose marriage seems to be thriving because great things are happening in our life. We don't like this and, and all these, you know, that people have the right proper spending habits and they're not in debt and all this. And what do we do? We push ourselves away from them. Maybe it's not that others are not meeting my expectations, but my expectations are wrong. And that's why my experience is lacking. I didn't say that we should lower our expectations, but maybe we need to retune them, refine them, redirect them. Because maybe it's my dysfunction. Maybe it's my dysfunction. Kelly was laughing at me the other day. I'm complaining about the neighbors watering his grass in the middle of the day. I said, man, that is so stupid, watering his grass in the middle of the day. He's just going to burn up his grass. He's just going to cause problems. Kelly let it go the first day. Second day, I said the same thing, pulling in. Third day, she said, who cares about what the neighbor's doing with his grass? What was happening to us? It's my dysfunction. Come on, it's my dysfunction that's causing what? A frustration. You know, so now I look and say, who cares about his grass as I'm driving by? Here's the last thing. I'm almost done. Say almost done. But here's where it really boils down to, where we can really get frustrated with our expectations of others. Here it is, because we don't know what God expects from me. That I live my life not really knowing what God really expects from me. What does God really want for my life? Not knowing this can really affect my expectations of others and the outcome of my life. Here's where we say, well, God, I've got to do this and that for God. If I don't do this, if I don't do that for God, God's not going to love me anymore. Isn't it amazing how our relationship with God can be so performance-driven? 
that if I don't do, that God's going to just condemn me and he's going to destroy me. It's almost as if Martha is saying, Jesus, don't you see everything I'm doing? I mean, a little bit of help would be great. Come on, you owe me for what I'm doing for you. Now, you've maybe never said it as strong as that, but that's the attitude so many times that we have. That when we don't really know what God expects from us, that we can feel entitled. And we feel that God is. I remember one of my cousins, John was his name. He said to me one day, and he sat across from me in a restaurant. He said, I faithfully served God for 10 years, and God owes me. I looked him square in the eye and said, man, you're a fool if you think God owes you anything. Because no matter what you could ever do, you could never be repaid for everything that God has already done for you. But aren't we like that? Why? Because we don't really know what God expects for us. Is what you do driven by God or what you have assumed God wants you to do? Here's what I've found. Most people don't really know what God has for their lives. And the only way you're going to really discover that is to spend time with him. Get to know God. Ask him. And when you spend time with him, he'll show you what you have to do. He'll show you what he expects for you and he'll give you the strength and he'll give you the grace to do it. In the story, how does Jesus answer Martha's request for Mary to be told to help her? Instead of imposing Martha's expectations on Mary, Jesus imparts a new expectation on Martha. Did you catch that? Instead of imposing Martha's expectations on Mary, Jesus imparts a new expectation into Martha. And he says this in verse 42, but one thing is needed. One thing is needed and Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken away from her. What Jesus was saying is don't overconcern your life with so many unnecessary things that frustrations cause you to miss what's the most important thing. But God, if you would only fix my wife, God, if you would only fix my husband, if you would only deal with this sin, God, if you would only take and solve this problem with my kids and God, my boss, if you could just give me a new boss, if you could give me a new job, this, then, that, then what? Then what? What about you? What is God really requiring from your life? You see, it's easy to get frustrated at everyone else, but really you're frustrated with yourself because you don't really know what God has expected and expecting from your life. Don't let what you expect keep you from what God wants you to experience each and every day of your life. What did Jesus say? Mary has chosen what is better. And what does he say? That which will not be taken away from her. Jesus isn't talking about frustration there. He's talking about a satisfaction, a fulfillment that we can have in our lives. Remember our key scripture, Ephesians 3.20? Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Can I tell you today that those things may not always be higher things? Exceedingly abundantly may not always be higher and greater things. But I'm telling you this, they're always going to be deeper things. Always going to be deeper. Doing something down inside of your life. Don't let the way you expect it keep you from experiencing everything God has for you. Just because your experience isn't what you think it needs to be, don't lose hope and let go of your expectancy. 
Live with hope. Dream again. But this time from the right place. Allow your expectancy to soar, never diminish. Allow the gap of frustration to diminish. As you expect God to do great things. Knowing what God expects for you. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.